Good morning and welcome to Grace Church Live Online. Wherever you're watching us from this morning, I hope you're doing great. We are in definitely uncertain times. You've probably gotten a ton of emails from companies and businesses and restaurants and one of the most frequent corporate buzzwords they use is uncertain. Everything is just uncertain. We don't know when things will get back to normal. But one thing that is certain is Christ, the solid rock upon which I stand. One thing that is certain is that I can enter his presence anywhere that I go, wherever I'm at, not just in a church, not just in a church building, anywhere I go. Jesus performed miracles in the streets of Jerusalem. The alabaster box, he was anointed at a home. Hope was born in a stable. Mercy was given on a cross on a hill. And the Holy Ghost was gifted to man in an upper room, not in a church. Jesus is wherever you are, whether it be in your living room, your bedroom, your office, even if you're driving in your car, he is right there with you, right here and right now. So give him the glory that he is due. Give him the honor that he is due. Give him the worship and the praise that is due into his holy name because he is with you. He won't leave you or forsake you even in these uncertain times.
everything going on around us I'm thankful to know that God is still the same his presence is still the same and I believe he's drawing people closer and closer to him taking advantage of the opportunity that's been given to him to do so thank the Lord we welcome you today to Grace Church and uh, we thank you so much for watching and uh, I encourage you today to let the Lord have his way in your home in your living room wherever you may be let the Lord have his way. Talk to the Lord. Don't hesitate to raise your hands. Clap your hands. If you want to dance and shout, you go for it. There's not a greater place you can do that than in your home. There's not a better place you can do that than in your home. We encourage you to let the Lord have his way today. We want to give you opportunity this morning to give as worship to the Lord and to thank him for his blessing and taking care of all of your needs. And while you're doing that, I'll remind you of a few announcements. Uh, first of all, I want to encourage you to pray in your home tomorrow night at 714. The reason we ask you to pray at 714 is to honor the scripture, reverence of scripture, where the wise man said, if, uh, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray. And speaking of that, I received a text this week from somebody. I'd like to share with you at least part of it. It's very compelling. It's very compelling. But I'd like for all of you to give ear to this and uh, to listen very carefully. I don't know who this person is that wrote this. but It said, a dear friend of mine passed this message on to me. It was so appropriate. I felt it. I needed to share it with you. In three short months just like he did with the plagues of Egypt. God has taken away everything we worship. Now, he says, you want to worship athletes, I will shut down the stadiums. You want to worship musicians, I'll shut down the civic centers. You want to worship actors, I'll shut down the theaters. You want to worship money, I will shut down the economy and collapse the stock market. You don't want to go to church and worship me, I'll make it where you can't go to church and worship me. And then the writer said, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, then I would hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. That's why we're asking you to pray tomorrow night in your home at 714 to honor 2 Chronicles 714. We want to unite together along with people across our nation to pray that God would heal our land. I think it's okay to say this, but someone very close to our governor here in Louisiana passed away of the COVID-19 virus. And uh, he's been very touched and very grieved by that. He said, I'm asking everybody to pray. This is music to God's ears. When our government officials and all that they're trying to do, and I give them a lot of accolade, all of them, for what they're trying to do, there's not a greater thing they can do.
than to fall on their face before God and pray and encourage our nation to do the same. I believe God's going to have His way in this, folks. I really do. God's not going to waste an opportunity. He does not waste opportunities. But God's going to have His way. So I'm asking everybody to gather in your family tomorrow night at 714 and begin to seek the face of God that He would heal our land. I have noticed, I'll take just a moment to say this, but in walking around the block, I've walked around our block more in the past two or three weeks than I have in the past two or three years. Um, but just walking around the block to see families out in their yards with their kids, uh, sidewalks have become an art gallery. Just people finding things to do, throwing frisbees and footballs and what have you. If nothing else, it's bringing our families closer together and perhaps showing us what true priority is. So there's some great things to be gleaned, but there's not a greater thing that could be gleaned out of this than knowing the power of prayer. That the, the, the Bible said the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So I'm asking you to pray. Then, of course, this coming Tuesday morning, uh, morning prayer will be dismissed, of course. But we'll be back with you again Wednesday night on live stream. And I will ask you to check your email, check your text message, stay in church, What? With, stay in touch with what the church is doing. Uh, we're going to be flooding you out with some things this coming week. Uh, you're going to be getting some things of inspiration and whatnot from not just pastor, but from various people in the church. So pay attention to that and let the Lord have his way. And uh, if you, somebody wants to know how to log in, you can certainly do it via our website or Facebook. But it's facebook.gracechurchofcentral.com or live.gracechurchofcentral.com. So we're going to ask you to continue to worship the Lord. Again, let the Lord have his way. Clap your hands, raise your hands, shout praise the Lord. Let the Lord have his way as the worship team sings.
presence of the Lord is in this house today. And I'm thankful for God's faithfulness and Him being here today. And again, He doesn't show up for nothing. He always comes to work something amazing in our lives. Thank the Lord. I'm going to ask you all to stand today, if you would. And we want to bring to you a very uh, special prayer request. First of all, I'd like for us to pray for all of our senior citizens as we refer to them here at Grace Church, our overcomers. And uh, we want to pray for them that God would give them just incredible encouragement, incredible faith. They're lonely and uh, they're, they're just wanting assurance. And uh, we want to pray for them that the God would, the God of all comfort, would comfort them here today. And as we pray for them, there's a pastor in the central area. I'm not going to refer to his name, if that's okay. God knows who he is. He's not one of our apostolic pastors, but uh, he's a friend. He's been a friend to me, and I uh, know him and his, his family fairly well. But I'd like for us to reach out to the Lord in prayer for them. Him and his wife both have the COVID-19 virus. And uh, it's usually impacting his church, of course. And uh, I'd like for us to pray that God would have his way. It'd be an awesome thing if God would create a Goshen. God would create a Goshen for all of his people during this time. But I'd like for us to pray a blood covering over this, this pastor, his family, his church. Why don't we do that over Central as well, that God would just protect our city, protect our people that God's mercy, God's hand would be made manifest in this. Let's pray together. Father, we love you today. It's awesome to come to you anytime. There's been many circumstances. There's been many different venues and we've come to you with needs and what have you. Yet this is another. This is one that we've not faced. This is something new to your people, to the church, to our communities, our businesses, and around our world. But you know what to do. You're sitting on the throne. And to eradicate this virus in our world would take nothing more than a thought on your part. We're asking you today, God, to cover those that have been inflicted with this, that are suffering with this. God, we know that all things are in your hands and the will of God is going to be done. But we're calling out to you today, God, for your help because you're the only one that can. You're the only one that can. You have the key to healing. You have the key to recovery. God, I pray for our area pastors, all of them, that you'd keep your hand on them. Whether they're apostolic or not, we're asking you to keep your hand on all of our pastors. We pray in Jesus' name that the Spirit of the Lord would cover our seniors, our overcomers, that you would encourage them with hope and comfort, that they'd feel your presence would feel your presence in their homes, in their lives, and in their minds, that they're not alone. They're not alone. It feels lonely, but none of us are alone today because you promised that you would never leave us, that you would never forsake us. We're asking you, God, to intervene divinely, that all the glory and all the credit and all the honor would go to you. We ask you in Jesus' name, to move on behalf of these needs and we thank you in advance. We thank you in advance in Jesus' name. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Remain standing if you would as our speaker gets ready to come. 
I believe God has a word for all of us today. We need the encouragement. We need the uplifting. But more than that, we need to be strong enough to look around or around us to see people weaker than we are, mentally, spiritually, even physically. Somebody's going to have to step up to the plate and be an encourager. Somebody's going to have to step up to the plate and, and bring comfort and hope to somebody. We hope you're that person. We hope Grace Church can rise to the occasion, and many are. So tune your ear to the Word of God today. Let the Lord have His way in your mind, in your heart, in your home right now. God bless you as Brother Dave Bunch comes to preach for us right now. Thank you, Pastor, and greetings, everyone, in the name of Jesus. Isn't it great to be in God's presence on a Sunday morning? And I want to join with Pastor, just as you remain standing for a moment more, and just tell you how grateful we are that you've chosen to join us via live stream. And I believe that God is going to bless your home. He's going to bless your family through what he does in this broadcast and webcast today. I have a custom uh, when I pray over a service, um, when I'm praying over the sermon and over the Word of God, I ask the Lord to dispatch His angels into the sanctuary, and I ask that He would send those ministering angels of light through every row, through every, through every aisle, and let them minister as the Word goes forth, and I prayed that again this morning, but I also added to my prayer today, I prayed that God would dispatch those ministering angels of light to your home and to the room in which you are at even now and to your family. And I realized that today, we, and last Sunday and Wednesday, what we are doing and worshiping God together, we're giving new meaning to the idea and the term house of God. We, we think of the sanctuary or the church, or the, or the church building as the house of God. And pastor taught eloquently on Wednesday night that each of us as saints of God are literal house of God. But today you have an opportunity for your house to be the house of God. And so as the word of God is, is preached today and as the word of God comes into your home, into your living room, I want to encourage you to yield yourself to the presence of God and whatever he wants to do and let your home be a house of God today. Amen and amen. I want to read one verse of scripture today and then I'll, I'll allow you to be seated. I guess I don't really have much control over whether you are seated today or not because I can't see you. But if you'll remain standing, I want to read one verse of scripture. I want to read really just one sentence. When it comes to the word of God, one sentence is really all you need. Look at your neighbor and tell him that's all I need. Amen. I want to read today from 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 33, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 33. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. God bless you. You may be seated this morning, and again, you are in the house of God. I want to talk to you for just a few moments this morning from this idea or this thought, clear vision in confusing times. Now you may not know it this morning, but among the experiences I could put on my resume is that of airplane pilot. 
It's true. Um, back in 2016, we were displaced by the floods, as so many were, and we landed in Memphis, Tennessee, while our son completed his treatment at St. Jude and took up residence there. And while we were there, we met a wonderful family from Baton Rouge, got to know them. And it turned out the father, the dad, is a licensed pilot and has his own plane. And he told us, said, if you ever need to get to Baton Rouge quickly, let me know and I'll make that happen. So we filed that away, thought we'd never need it. But then one day the day came and I needed to get to Baton Rouge quickly for business related to my job. And so I called the guy up. And he said, as it happens, he said, as it happens, I am in Memphis today and I'll be headed back to Baton Rouge just in the next day or so. And if you can be out at the airport and your collective weight and the weight of your bags doesn't cause me to go over the limit of my plane, you're more than welcome to take a ride. And so that's what we did. I got out to the to the airport and he had a little, uh, it was either, it, it may have been a four-seater, but it, it, well, that's stretching it a little bit. I think probably comfortably it said the pilot and the co-pilot. And so that means I sat right there in the co-pilot seat. And it was a fascinating journey because the entire way uh, we had those headsets on and the little microphone and he was telling me everything that he was doing. He explained every instrument. He, he, uh, he told me every movie made and I could hear as he communicated with the control tower and they went back and forth and changed uh, their bearings and did the different altitude adjustments and all of those things. It was a veritable flight lesson in that regard. My fascination with this so-called flight lesson quickly turned to fear when somewhere about halfway through the flight, he turned to me with a great big smile on his face and said, I've turned the controls over to you. You're piloting the plane. And in the one-tenth of a second it took my brain to process that information... I immediately replied, take it back, take it back, take it back. <laughs> he fell out laughing. He said, Dave, he said, you, could, you literally could not crash this plane if you tried, but I didn't want to try. The interesting thing is this. Uh, of course, he quickly took the controls back at my bidding. And as we made our approach to Baton Rouge, he, he told me again over the headset, he said, he said, Dave, I want you to look out over the horizon there. He said, you, you, you see that runway? He said, that's Baton Rouge Airport and that's where we're going to be landing in just a moment. And so from my co-pilot seat with my newfound piloting experience, I surveyed the horizon and I looked and I looked some more and I studied some more and I didn't tell him, but I couldn't see the runway. Try as I might, even with my pilot glasses on, I could not see the runway. But sure enough, before too terribly long, that runway came into view. The airport terminal came into view, and that pilot very skillfully set us down right where we needed to be. And in moments' time, we were taxiing into the terminal. Had I been truly flying the plane that day, I would have had great confusion about landing that plane because I did not have the vision to see where we were going. As much as I tried, as much as I could, I could not see the destination. But that pilot, he could see 
the destination. It wasn't his first time to fly an airplane. It wasn't his first time to pass that way. In fact, he understood all the instructions from the control tower and he knew exactly what to do. But more than that, he knew exactly where we were going. And he knew exactly what the destination was. I want you to know today, Grace Church and all of those that are joining us on live stream today, that God knows the end from the beginning. Nothing has happened that's caught him by surprise or caught him off guard. And where you and I look in our world today and see confusion, we see fear, we see uncertainty in unparalleled measure, God clearly sees where this thing is going to end. And He clearly sees the destination to where we are going. We may not see a way out. We may not have a solution. But God understands where we are headed. I want you to know that God's promises still stand. I want you to know that God's promises are still yea and amen. I want you to know that God hasn't brought you through things in your lifetime and time again to let you down now. I want you to know He didn't bring you this far to abandon you, but I want you to know He holds the whole world in your life securely in the palm of His hand. Our challenge today, church, our challenge today, those joining on live stream, is to look past the confusion that presses us from every side and lift our vision and see what the pilot sees. To lift our vision and see what God sees. I want you to know that Job said in 3421, for his eyes are upon the ways of man and he sees all of his goings. Bible quizzers, you helped pastor last Sunday. I ask you to help me today. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and His ears are open unto their cry. Psalm 25, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him, and He will show Him His covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for He shall pluck my feet out of the net. I want you to know his vision is very clear. His eye is on you. His eye is on me. His eye is on the church. And he's going to get us there. Our challenge is to look past the fear, look past the horizon, and see with God's vision. So, how do we do that this morning in a world that has gone mad, in a world we don't understand anymore, it doesn't look like anything that we're familiar with. How then do we thrive in confusing times? How then do we see with God's vision? Perhaps one of the most dynamic examples in Scripture, and it's, a, it's one we'll spend a few moments examining here today, is that of a young Hebrew boy by the name of Daniel. Daniel, as a young man, was thrown into very confusing and disorienting times in his life. Yet he thrived and he excelled and he exceeded even in chaos because of his vision aligning with God. It was the year 607 B.C. and a young crown prince of the Babylonian Empire went on a conquering spree throughout the known world. He subdued every kingdom in his path. He marched through Egypt and Assyria. He made his way through Syria and Palestine. And it wasn't long till he came to the land of Judah and put Jerusalem under siege. And in no time at all, he had accepted the complete surrender 
of the king of Judah, King Jehoiakim. This conqueror's name was Nebuchadnezzar. It was the custom of King Nebuchadnezzar, as it was of all ancient kings, to take the best of the conquered land for himself and bring it back to his kingdom. And among those possessions and things that he conquered, those items of conquest were people. And most often it was the best of the best. It was usually the young, the intelligent, and the strong that these kings would take back and put them in use in their kingdoms. And among those that King Nebuchadnezzar took were Daniel and his three friends. We called them in Sunday school the three Hebrew children, but it was Daniel, it was Hananiah, it was Mishael, and it was Azariah. They were bright. They were young. Perhaps scholars believe no more than 16 years old, and these fellows found themselves captive to the Babylonians. Nebuchadnezzar's plan was to put them through school, a training program, teach them in the way of the Chaldeans and let them live in the palace of the king. They would eat at the king's table. They would have the best education and all of the amenities that go with royalty. I want you to understand today that the land that Daniel and his friends found themselves in, these captives, the land of Babylon, that that land in the ancient tongue, the word Babylon, simply meant garden of the gods, or we would say gateway to the gods. This was a people that, that were trying to be like God or even become a god themselves. They were exalting themselves above anything that God had created. That was who they thought they were. But in the Hebrew tongue, this Babylon that had taken Daniel and the three Hebrew children captive, the Hebrew tongue, the word Babylon means confusion. And you see in the word Babylon, the word Babel, and and it shares an affinity there both in terms of being a place of confusion and in man's attempt to become like God. So here's the deal. More than captivity only, more than the separation from their homeland, more than the dissonance they felt from being displaced, Daniel and his friends find themselves captive in a place of confusion. They're in a place where confusion swirls all around them. Yet, as I'm going to show you, Daniel found a way to thrive in that time of confusion. And it was because everything he did aligned with a vision of God. Daniel was able to keep his vision clear. And it was clear in three distinct areas I'm going to touch on today. And it allowed him to survive and even thrive in confusing times. So three areas that Daniel aligned himself with the vision of God. The first was clarity of vision around his identity. Daniel had clear vision around his identity. He never lost sight of who he was. Now as a Hebrew, Daniel was a child of God. He was a child of Jehovah God, one of God's chosen race of people. He was a son of promise. He was a descendant, even a participant, if you will, in the heritage and lineage of Abraham. That Abraham that God said, your lineage will be as the sands and it will be as the stars. This was Daniel's heritage. It was his birthright. The scripture also tells us in Daniel chapter 1 verse 3 that Daniel was more than likely 
uh, of noble descent just in the natural. He was probably of princely lineage. He was royal. Uh, in addition, he was extremely intelligent and gifted. He was favored of God. He was all these things when he was taken captive. He was perhaps a well-rounded young man in all of those ways. But when he became captive to those that were confused, when he was captive to Babylon, one of the first things the Babylonians did was try to change his and his friend's identity. They tried to force on these fellas the identity of confusion and change who they were. Notice that the the name Daniel in the original tongue means God is my judge. Daniel means God is my judge. But the Babylonians changed his name to Belteshazzar, which literally means lady protect the king. And there's much that could be said about the gender blurring going on there, but we must hasten on. Hananiah, his name meant Yahweh has been gracious. It was changed to Shadrach, which means I am fearful of God. Mishael, his name meant who can compare to my God? No one. To um, I am, it was changed to Meshach, which means I am despised, contemptible, and humiliated. And then finally, Azariah went from being called Yahweh has helped to Abednego, which means the servant of Nebo. In every case, it was a focus taking from God to slavery or from God to self. And it was an attempt to go from confu- was an attempt to go from confidence to cowardice in their identity. But even in the midst of that confusing, confusing culture, Daniel never let them put him in his mold. Those three Hebrew children never let confusion reign about their identity. They remain true to their calling and true to their purpose. And I have to hasten as the clock is not my friend, but let, just let me tell you that Daniel's convictions not to eat of the king's meat are what held him to his identity. It's important that we hold on to our convictions because they inform our identity even in, uh, in confusing times. But what I want you to know today, church, is this, is that you have an identity in God. And that identity doesn't change with circumstance. It doesn't change with what's going on in the world. And so if there was ever a time that I challenge you to be secure in who you are as the church of the living God, if there was ever a time I challenge you to dig deep and understand that you are a son and a daughter of the Most High God, it's in this time. It's in confusing times that we've got to be reminded we are children of God. It's an identity that the world doesn't give and the world can't take away. I want you to know as you're listening to this broadcast today that you are more than a high-risk category for a demonic disease. I want you to know that you're more than a statistic that the world is trying to make us fearful of. I want you to know your identity is not found in your citizenship of a particular nation. Your identity is not found in a particular political system. Your identity is found in knowing that you are sons and daughters of God. You're not a second class citizen that God has somehow set aside and doesn't know what to do with and is suddenly confused about what to do in the middle of a pandemic. We are God's people, the called out, the chosen ones, the ecclesia. Does He not say in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, but you are a chosen generation, a 
royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness and into marvelous light. Oh, I'm telling you, church, we've got to have a clear vision in chaotic times of our identity in God. Let me hasten. The second thing that Daniel had clarity around in a land of confusion was his vision of his God. I want you to know that Daniel never doubted. He never thought that God wasn't in control. He never thought that God was not a part of what was going on in his captivity. In fact, as I called to your attention a moment ago, Daniel's name meant God is my judge. That was his identity. Daniel understood he wasn't living to please Nebuchadnezzar. He wasn't living to please the Babylonians. He wasn't living to please their gods. He was living for an audience of one, and that was Jehovah God. And he lived his life for God. And I continue to, to, to hasten, but let me say in passing that it was Daniel's prayer opening that window towards Jerusalem three times a day that kept him identified with his God. It kept him uh, in alignment with understanding that his God held his times in his hand and that God would be in control. And so I want to tell you today in these times in which we live that our faith in God is what is going to get us through. I want you to know that uh, God, we're talking about a God that we may be under a stay-at-home order, but God is not under a stay-at-home order. I want you to know He's working. I want you to know He's moving. I want you to know He's bigger than any sickness. He's bigger than any fear. He's bigger than any doubt. I want you to know that this time is a time to affirm our faith in the, the one that holds our future in His hand, the one that spoke into darkness and called it light, the one that stepped into void and spoke and whole worlds were created. He's the one that said that 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 calls things that are not as though they were. I want you to know that when you find yourself in a place of confusion, when times don't make sense and chaos is swirling around us, I want you to know that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. I want you to know that God is the author and finisher of our faith. I want you to know that greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. I want you to know that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against you. I'm telling you, our God is the great and mighty God. All power in heaven and earth is given unto Him. And I love the scripture in Philippians chapter 4 that simply says, My God shall supply all your need according to your riches and glory. I want you to know today the economy is not your provider. I want you to know that every good and perfect gift comes from God. I will allow today that we are living in times of uncertainty, times of confusion. Two weeks ago, none of us had even heard the term social distancing. Now we debate whether or not six feet is the correct distance or not. We don't, I mean, is this a quarantine or is it a shelter in place? And what's the difference between the two anyway? Financial markets are in confusion. Last Sunday we were in a bear market. This Sunday we're back in a bull market. These are unprecedented times and no one is certain exactly how things will turn out. 
But what I do want to tell you is this, that God is not the author of confusion. But I'm going to tell you what He is the author of. According to Hebrews chapter 12, He is the author and the finisher of our faith. And I want you to know He's writing your story today. He's writing my story today. And He's writing history today. And I don't know how it's all going to turn out, but I'm going to tell you the author and the finisher of our faith does know how it turns out. And He wants each of us today to rise above fear and uncertainty and live in confidence knowing that He's got the whole world in the palm of His hands. Help me again, quizzers, for who is God save the Lord and who is a rock save our God the Lord is my light and my salvation whom shall I fear the Lord is the strength of my life of whom shall I be afraid when the wicked even the uh, my enemies and my foes came upon me to eat of my flesh they stumbled and they fell because our God is no like uh, unlike any other God he is the almighty God world without end and then finally the last thing that Daniel had very clear vision around was his future. Daniel understood very clearly his future. I want you to know the Babylon in which Daniel found himself was a place of great beauty. It was, it was, one of the, it was the zenith of the known world. It was, it was full of great, great stunning monuments and walls and, and gates and, and, and just the creation of man and anything that they could create and do. And among those were, were the Ishtar Gate. And the Ishtar Gate was significant in its beauty, but it was also notable because through it you access two citadels of the city and also an enormous palace. And just beyond that was one of the seven wonders of the world, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. This beauty and this splendor. But Daniel refused to be hypnotized by all the magnificence and beauty of that city in which he was captive. And instead, he kept his focus on the land of his citizenship and the homeland that he longed to return to. Daniel lived through four kingdoms, four kings, four rulers. God gave him favor with all of them. And towards the end of his life, Daniel lived long enough to see that captivity return to their homeland he saw the restoration of Israel in that sense. He kept his eyes aligned with a future promise. He kept his eyes aligned with what was to come. But more than that, more than a physical restoration of his people to their kingdom, Daniel, through the grace of God, saw visions of another place and another time. In Daniel chapter 7, he saw the ancient of days come. And the scripture says that in that moment he saw the saints of the everlasting God take an everlasting kingdom and they would rule and judge forever. Daniel was able to, to slip past the confines and the vision of this world and lift his vision to a world that was to come and that is still to come. John called it the great city of Jerusalem, the kingdom that is to come. And Daniel was able to see that. I want to challenge you, church, today. Don't let confusing times disorient you. Don't let confusion times turn your attention to where you become so focused on overcoming these circumstances. You don't become so focused on trying to get back to normal that you lose sight that this world is not all there is. As Abraham, we're just strangers in a strange land. 
We're just passing through. We're just sojourners. Want you, I want to encourage you today. I, I, I don't know what the end of this present circumstance will be, although I do believe by faith, as Pastor said, that there will be an end to this. I do believe that there will be great outpouring of the Holy Ghost on this earth, that the church will grow beyond measure as a result of what we're going through in the current crisis. But whether God chooses that route or not, what I want you to know, church, there is a kingdom coming. As the, as the praise team saying just a few minutes ago, there is a kingdom coming. A new Jerusalem, a place of stunning splendor and beauty. This world is not all there is. What you see today is not all there is. What we've spent a lifetime building is not all there is. There is more that is coming. And I want you to put your future in God's hands. A few weeks ago, just a few days ago really, I had an opportunity to, to group text with some folks that, were very, that are very near and dear to me, very close uh, friends and family and we were reminiscing about the Christian songs of our era which was the 90s and when I think about Christian music in the 90s there's a song that immediately every time every time my number one song from the 90s I don't know that it ever made radio play maybe it did I don't know if it was ever considered a hit or not but it was the last song on on a Michael English CD and it was simply called Heaven it was simply called heaven. And as a young teenage boy, it was the first time that I ever considered heaven as more than just an alternative to hell. But heaven became a place that I longed to go through the words of that song. And it simply says this, and I believe it's encouraging in times such as these. It says, love without measure, space without time, life with no crying will one day be mine. Hearts never breaking, Hands that don't fight. Days that don't end with a darkness at night. The lamb and the lion will walk side by side in a place where freedom abides. That's what heaven will be like. It'll be friends that don't leave you. Smiles that don't fade. Nobody's hurting. No one's afraid. That's what heaven will be. And he concludes by saying this, all the burdens and the longings that we bring to that place will disappear in that moment when we look at the love on his face. Oh, I do believe that's what heaven will be like. We live today in a time of, great, of the greatest technology, greatest science we can travel, greatest medicine, anything that mankind could have dreamed or imagined we see today in our world. Yet we've lived to see the day that when all of that is stripped away, all this world can offer is pain and heartache and fear and disillusionment. But I'm telling you, church, that when we get to that place, we lay our crowns at His feet, and when we see Him face to face in a love that we can never imagine, all of this is going to slip away. All of the fear is going to be dispelled. All the doubt will leave. And we'll be left with Jesus' world without end. For all of the ages, a place of peace, a place of, of spirit-filled splendor where all will be well. That's the author and the perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ. Our praise team is coming now to lead us in a final song. We're going to have prayer together. 
And I want to leave you with one final thought in lifting our vision and thriving in chaotic times. We must remember who we are. We must remember who our God is. And we must remember what our future is. The early Native American peoples had a very unique practice for training young braves. On the night of a boy's 13th birthday, after learning hunting and scouting and fishing, the boy was put to one final test. He was taken and placed in a dense forest, and there he would spend the entire night alone. Until then, he had never been away from the security of his family and his tribe, but on that night, he was blindfolded and taken several miles away. When he removed the blindfold, he was in the middle of a thick wood surrounded by darkness, and he was terrified. Every time a twig snapped, this young boy imagined a wild animal ready to pounce. Every noise struck fear in his heart. And after what seemed like an eternity, dawn broke, and the first rays of light began filtering through the trees, and the interior of that forest began to illuminate. Looking around, the young boy would see, he could see the flowers, he could see the trees, and he could see the outline of his path home. And then to his utter astonishment, the young boy would look just several feet away, and he would see the outline of a figure. That figure was his father. And his father had been there all night, arrow stretched in bow, ready to fight off any danger, anything would have come against that young boy. Church, in these troubled times, in these confusing times, I want to ask you to remove the blindfold of fear, the blindfold of doubt, the blindfold of uncertainty. I want you to look with the eyes of faith, clear vision through the darkness, and see that your Father is standing there as a protector, as the one who has everything in the palm of His hands, whose eyes see when that sparrow falls. He's got you right where He can take care of you. Would you stand with me in your living room? Would you stand in your place, in your house of worship today? I leave you with Psalms 27 and 5. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of the tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me on a rock. I don't know how you're aligned there today with your family, whether there's one or several. I don't know how comfortable you are in social distancing, but whatever it looks like at your home. I want you to join together, if it's not physically, at least in, 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 in voice and in heart. And I want you to begin to pray. I want you to begin to pray today, church. It's prayer time for just a few moments. I'm so thankful we can come in, into this oasis of God's presence. We can come into this pavilion of His protection today. Come on, I want you to declare faith over your, your home. I want you to declare faith over your family. Come on, God, you'll set my feet upon a rock. God, I'm praying for every home. God, I'm praying for every household. 
I'm praying for every family today. I'm praying for every, for every life, God, that's watching today by live stream. Lord, I'm praying for every Grace Church family. Lord, I'm praying for every seasoned saint. I'm praying for every overcomer. I'm praying for every child and every young person, every mom and every dad. I'm praying for our youth group. I'm praying for our Sunday school kids. I'm praying for our serve teams. I'm praying for our small groups. And Lord, I'm praying for everyone that has been so kind and has joined us by live stream today. And I'm praying that you would be kind. I'm praying that you would be gracious. God, I'm praying you would pour out your spirit in every home, in every family. I'm praying that healing would come. I'm praying, Lord, that you would dispel confusion. I'm praying that you would dispel doubt. And I'm praying that you would dispel disillusionment. God, and in place of that, you would put great faith. You would put great confidence, God. And that you would put a promise in our heart. That you know the end from the beginning. That you are the first and the last. That you are the author and the finisher of our faith. And that in you we live and we move and we have our being. And that with God all things are possible. God, you haven't brought us this far to let us pass. You haven't brought us this far to abandon us, God. But you're there in the midst of the storm. You're there in the midst of confusion. Oh, God, be kind today. God, be gracious today. God, do great things today. Oh, that's it, right where you're sitting, right where you're standing. Would you lift up a shout of praise? Would you let God be God and every man a liar? Would you let God do what he does best? Oh, we know in whom we have believed. We know in whom we have believed.
We look forward to enjoying the time and the Word of God with you then. But until then, go in faith, go in confidence, and go in faith knowing that God has you right in the palm of His hand. God bless you today in Jesus' name.